welcome back to the Hockey Podcast. This is a fan arm podcast about the Chicago Blackhawks. My name is Tyler, and I'm joined, as always, by my three co-hosts, Wally. Only 11 more days. And much sooner by the time that you guys will hear this. Nick? 11 days for the new era. Yeah, you keep saying 11 days, but this will probably be out when it's only like seven days left. And John? Um, Hi. <laughs> I couldn't think of anything. (laughs) Sometimes that's okay. This is the Hockey Podcast, and this is our pre-draft show where we are going to go through a Blackhawks seven-round mock draft, discuss some of the uh, Blackhawks broadcast changes that have happened over the last couple of weeks, and a couple of other transactions that have occurred. And, you know, just go and look towards where the Blackhawks are moving into the offseason now. And that's really important because this is the beginning of the next era. Blackhawks made some major changes last offseason with some of the trades they made, trading out players, bringing in a bunch of draft picks. And now they have a bunch of more draft picks they need to use. It goes way more than just the acquisition of Connor Bedard at first overall, which it will be Connor Bedard at first overall. But we've talked about that in previous episodes. So we're going to look more into the rest of the draft today. But the first thing that we need to discuss actually is a contract extension. A bit of a hefty one, but it's a bit necessary considering the Hawks' current situation in terms of the salary cap. The Blackhawks re-sign winger Andreas Athanasiu to a two-year contract with an annual average value of $4.25 million. Last season, Athanasiu was on a contract at only $3 million for one year. He was one of the guys who we brought in, thought that we would be able to trade the deadline, didn't have the best start to the season, and because of that, nobody ended up trading for him. And then after that, he exploded after the trade deadline, was near a point a game, and he gets a two-year contract extension. Any thoughts on this? I think it's a bit much, but it's not like we are, you know, cap-strapped or anything. Any other team, I think this would be a bad contract, but here I think it's all right. People are overreacting. It's not that big of a deal. Everyone's like, give him too much money. Oh, no. Like, swallow your roll, people. Yeah, it was a little overpayment, but who cares? Uh, Hawks needing to get to the cap floor. It works. Uh, FDCU kind of deserves it after helping the Blackhawks get the position to end up drafting first overall by scoring the game-winning goal against Pittsburgh and the game-tying goal against Philadelphia in the final games. Yeah, I'd agree with uh, Nick and John. Um, I think uh, Davidson also mentioned at the end of the season, the thing with that he liked about Athanasiu is that like he kept trying the entire year, um, even though it got hard at times, especially in that last game. I mean, he had a three-point game, uh, the final game of the season. Um, and he also ended the season with 20 points in his last 24 games, eight goals and 12 assists. So pretty Yeah, he had, he had 20 points in his last 24 games, which of course is good. But what it doesn't, but what it kind of over overworks is the fact that you know his pre-deadline numbers, which were twenty points in fifty-seven games. <laughs> I think that in a lot of, I think, I mean, like, sure, the contract doesn't really, it won't really affect us in many ways because, like, these are the two years where you can, uh, you you're okay with this, but like, don't. Let this convince you that Athanasiu is going to be like this major contributor going forward. Oh, no. In no. any sort of way. I mean, he's getting paid for these two years. Fine. 
good for him. I would be I would I wouldn't be surprised if he was back on the third line by by like December next year. No, honestly, he might be trading those last year. Probably. I think I think um I think the, the way they structured the contract, I think he's only getting paid like 2 million in actual dollars his final year. So that makes it easier to trade him. Yeah, it's a more movable contract in his final year of the deal. It's pretty much bonus heavy contract versus full salary uh cap hit contract. Yeah, I'm looking at the details. I had never I hadn't looked at this yet. So the details of the contract, it's um both years the total salary is four point two five exactly, but there's a salary bonus or yeah, a, it looks like it's actually it's a signing bonus on the second year of that contract, which what that means, I believe, is that that signing bonus is paid right away, right at the beginning of the year, and then the rest of the salary is spread out. So what I think that would mean is that, like, let's say he gets traded during that time, cap hit wise, they'd be paying the entire, they'd be listed as paying the entire cap hit. However, yeah. whatever team acquires him, they wouldn't have to pay as much, and that's actually a big deal if we're talking about trading him to say a smaller market but a better team because then they have, they wouldn't have to pay as much like actual cash to him, but in return, they would be able to count that as a, you know, maybe even with retained salary, they'd have to pay way less in terms of actual money, but he would be a more attractive asset in that realm because especially to small market teams that are competitive. Definitely. Do I actually think that he will earn the right to get traded by the end of his contract? Personally, I don't actually think so. I think that these last 20 games were kind of a mirage, and moving forward, I don't think we're going to see this again. I mean, there was a reason why he was playing as well as he was. It's because there, he was the only guy on the team with genuine quality skill by the end of the season, other than Lucas Reichel. Because if you look at the rest of the roster, especially the rest of the forward core, Philip Kurashev was hurt for like the last 10 games of the season, and then everyone else had been traded. So it was literally just Luke Reich on it. Wasn't Taylor Radish hurt too? Yeah, but Radish isn't a skill guy. He's a pure shooter. Yeah. Obviously, he's not going to produce what he did at the end of the season. But I mean, yeah, it's, no it's not a terrible contract when you look at the Blackhawks have to hit the floor, the cap floor, mm-hmm. and all that. So I, I think it's fine. For any other team, it would be bad. I agree. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, I think, um, if, I think if he signed this contract with any other team, he'd be a buyout candidate. Oh, yeah. Speaking of buyout candidates, do you guys think uh, the Hawks do a buyout this offseason? I want them to buy out Zaitsev, and that's nothing against Zaitsev. It's just more like we have too many defensemen, and I would rather be playing Vlasic over, uh, over Zaitsev. Mm-hmm. I, agree well, I think the Hawks the Hawks have a couple of genuine buyout candidates. I think that but I don't really know if any of them do get bought out simply because I don't think that we have because of our current situation, I don't think that we really have the ability to like get rid of a ton of salary cap. Sure we can bring in some guys, but we would need to spend more if we buy anybody out. The only guys who I see as genuine candidates and most of them I don't think will end up being the case. I think you have Peter Morazic, Nikita Zaitsev, and Tyler Johnson. Yeah. Now, the one I actually think might 
in that group. I think that Zaitsev could. Not entirely sure. I think that if Tyler Johnson... I think that because of how Tyler Johnson played during moments last season, I think they'll be willing to keep him around. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I would like to see them buy out Morazic, but I know they won't. Yeah, because they've already talked about the goalie situation and how they, much they like it. Mm-hmm. And so I'm agreeing with you. I would like to see Morazic bought out. Nothing against him, but like we need someone that is healthy, not injury-prone. So to make sure that Soderblom does not get a brunt of the starts when Mrazic inevitably gets injured. Well, you don't like having a goalie that blows up his growing every month? <laughs> no, Nick, I do not. <laughs> I mean, Soderblom's going to get the starts if, if Mrazic gets hurt. Soderblom gets the starts. I know, that's what I'm saying. I don't want him to do that because I want him to be a backup or a 1B. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he needs he needs to be softened into the league because we saw what happened last year. If you overwork Soderblom, you break his confidence. Because he needs time to work his way into the league. And some people would be like, well, if he can't handle it, then how is he going to ever be a starting goalie in the league? And it's like, well, that's not how you develop players. Always are weird. He also got hurt, though, too, to be fair. I think it was like, Almost as soon as he went back down to Rockford, he may have been mm-hmm. dealing with something. I'm not 100% sure, but... That very might well be true. I, I think that's true. I think he might have been dealing with something. But why do you think he was dealing with something? Could it be because he was basically playing every game for a three-week stretch? Mm, yeah, that's probably, probably part of it. But injuries happen regardless. I mean... Yeah, obviously, like... I don't know. I I would rather bet on a guy that has had barely has an injury history over a guy that does that that has an injury history. Mm, yeah, absolutely. I would I would view that the similar way as well. Um, moving on to something a bit different in terms of not as much of like technical logistical hockey team stuff. We move into the more visual perspective of the Chicago Blackhawks with our broadcast team the broadcast team for nbc sports network a couple of changes have been made um patrick sharp has left the organization primarily because he has taken a job as i believe it was a special advisor special advisor to hockey operations with the philadelphia flyers yes he has returned to the philadelphia flyers organization which of course was his first organization where he played for a couple of years before he ended up with the Blackhawks, played with us for a long time, won cups over the Flyers, include is one of those as well. But he's gone back to the Flyers, um, and he's going to be with them, which obviously means he's no longer part of our broadcasts. I always wanted to see more of Patrick Sharp as the color commentator last year, but it always seemed like he was doing other things, and he was never actually there. It seemed like he wasn't fully invested in being a broadcaster. Maybe that's not what he wanted to do. Like he just wanted to try it out, see how it was, and he didn't enjoy it. But I thought I always thought he was good. I thought he had good, good chemistry with the Fosters. Mm-hmm. I think that Vost it's 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 not it's not difficult to have good chemistry with Fosters when he is like the biggest goofball ever. <laughs> I mean that in a good way, right, Tyler? Um, I mean that in seventy five percent good way. Okay. 
the thing that is weird with our broadcast and why I like this hiring of Darren Pang, you can think about him however you want, whether you like him like him as a broadcaster or not, is is uh, indifferent of this opinion that it's good that he will have a uh, that Fosters will have a consistent uh, analyst with him because he kept on changing with uh, Murray and Patrick Sharp and they had different chemistries or he had different chemistries with the, both those guys. Yeah, things were always changing with the broadcast. You said consistency there, which obviously wouldn't come with my preferred candidate. <laughs> Who's your preferred candidate? Uh, Kendall Coyne Schofield. Oh, I see. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you're not gonna you're not gonna get consistency with her because she basically does 17 yeah. different things all at once. But um, but I remember there was one game she did a couple years ago, and I've seen her sometimes call uh, as a broadcaster on college hockey games and other stuff as well i think she's really really good and i would i would like to see whenever she eventually retires from all her 17 other jobs i would love to see her (laughs) as as the color commentator for the blackhawks or any other thing because i just think that she has a really good uh reading of the game you know another person who i honestly thought could have taken it up because she did a great job on the radio broadcast when Troy would go on TV, Kelly Chelios. I think they're going to keep her in the studio. I think they wanted to keep her in the studio, though. And speaking of the studio, we need to hire another guy, I think. I think, that, I think, I mean, yeah, we do because there's another, another, another departure, Colby Cohen. Um, I believe that he also, also went, went back. To- yeah, he went back to Philly as well to be he with went family. Back to Philadelphia as well. Um, yeah, it was mostly family oriented reasons. I always felt that Colby Cohen um, has a very specific job where he does really well, but if you ask him to do more, I don't think that he has the, um, I don't think he thinks quickly enough on his feet to be the lead color commentator. I agree mm-hmm. with that. I thought he was but really good felt- as a between the benches guy. and Yeah, between the benches, studio analyst, I think that those yeah, things those are were, usually yeah. really good for him. But I think that you know, obviously, I liked Colby, but I also think that, you know, it's good for him that he's going to make this change for, you know, personal reasons. Good on him. Um, also want to say thank you for the kind words after my thread. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Tyler. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I think that, uh, you know, Whoever it is going forward, I think that we do need to build some consistency in the broadcast booth. And I have heard that, I mean, there's been some mentions that there's going to be like, that the Hawks are looking over the next couple of years to maybe kind of get away from NBC Sports as a whole. Well, the thing is, their contract's up with NBC Sports Chicago after this season. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. Okay. The thing... With a bunch of the regional sports networks, it's an interesting subject right now with Bally going under for most of the NHL. Um, the AT&T sports networks going under. It, right now, the only stability it, that have NHL broadcasts for regional networks is NBC Sports. Didn't the Bally Sports just get rid of their uh, the Kings uh, play-by-play guy? I forgot his name. I mean, probably. Like, everyone loved him. 
everyone was like shocked that he was well, like Jeremy Ping. He left St. Louis, which was a Bally network, and came to Chicago. I mean, a lot's been a lot's been going on when it comes to that. Um, it'll be interesting to see what happens with um, with the Hawks and their broadcasting team. Obviously, I think it's very clear that unlike his grandfather, Danny Wirtz wants the Blackhawks on TV consistently. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't think that he, that, that he would ever, he would, he would consistently want to make sure that the games are on TV. I wonder what do you guys think is the probability that the Blackhawks create their own type of marquee sports network? Make sure it's actually be able to broadcast on everything because marquee does not do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that would be, that would be, yeah, good. I think those issues have lessened over the years but i still think i mean there are still problems there it's hard to say like if we if we think that they will leave nbc sports because we don't know like there's no like they could always make a new contract with nbc yeah, Sports. there's no like rumors c- going out about like broadcasting well, stuff i just want to add something real quick apparently the reinsdorfs they bought i think it's the stadium don't quote me on that they bought. Yes, they, they did. I heard about. Yes, they, they did. There's talks that they might make their own network, and the Blackhawks would join in on that with the White Sox and the Bulls. Mm. Interesting. Yes, so it would essentially be similar to what Marquee has. It's just that instead of the Marquee being exclusively for the Cubs, it would be like a network that is Hawks, Bulls, and Sox. Almost like call it the Madhouse Network. Have it for the Blackhawks, and then whatever a, you could call it for the. White Sox. That'd be an interesting title. That um, would be. It's honestly, it sounds like a, it would be a fun one to have. For hey, you heard, it, you heard it here first on the Hockey Podcast, <laughs> the Madhouse Sports Network. If I had to place money on it, I think they re-up with NBC Sports. I think it feels like they have a good relationship with NBC That's Sports. That's where I think. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't. The entire I wouldn't be so sure considering that, you know, especially with Foley and Olchek leaving so abruptly, I think that there's changes occurring in the network. There's changes occurring um That's a in all and there's changes occurring with all the broadcasts. I mean um uh I mean Neil Funk retired a couple years ago as well. Mm-hmm. So a lot uh, a lot of things are changing within the teams so i think that you know i wouldn't rule out the fact that possibly we get changes i'm not ruling it out i just like it's just hard to like uh speculate Mm -hmm. on this because we don't get rumors about oh will this team re-up with their regional sports network yeah and along with that we got um we have a full year we have a full year guaranteed of the Hawks on NBC Sports Network. At least for now, I wouldn't panic saying, are we going to get to watch the Blackhawks? I don't think we'll ever be in a scenario where we are where we are not given the ability to watch the Blackhawks. We're not in the dollar, bor- <laughs> dollar bill warts era anymore. Absolutely. And especially with, you know, Bedard yes. being the new marquee attraction for the Blackhawks for what they want, what they would hope to believe would be the next 15 to 20 years, they will never allow a game to be off TV. Oh, yeah. Um, I have a question for you guys. Who would you like to see as another studio analyst slash between the benches guy since we got rid of Kobe? 
I mean, I don't know if you need to fill that spot, to be honest. It just feels like something that you could do, but you don't necessarily need. Um, maybe they go with Scott Darling, but I know they moved him around a lot last year, and it didn't necessarily work. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what they do with that. I feel like Scott Darling doesn't want to be as PG as TV requires him to. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, considering everything, considering the fact that on the day of the draft lottery, he was hanging out with Chief in Barstool, I don't think he wants to stay in that sterilized environment because I just don't think that's for him. Yeah. Goalies uh, are weird. I do have a pick that would honestly be an interesting option. He does a great job on NHL Network already. And it's former Blackhawk, Stu Grimson. He's a great analyst to the game. And I think if the Hawks could bring back the Grim Reaper for being a studio analyst, I would be really excited because Grimson's a great analyst and he was a great Blackhawk when he played, being the Grim Reaper and all. I've seen that name thrown around. Guys that I have on here are Chris Jelios, who was just uh, laid off by uh, ESPN mm-hmm. because uh, they're doing all their layoffs right now. And uh, another guy or coming back is uh, Adam Burrish. I don't know. He was with us a couple of years ago. Um, I don't know how yeah. much he enjoyed it. I liked him. I thought he was pretty good at it. So that's I another sure. guy. I, th- I think that, especially since we still have Kaylee Chelios, I think that getting Chris Chelios through the door might be... And he did. He was on the. He was with some of the studio analysis later in the year as well. He was there a bit, so I wouldn't be surprised if he was. If that was like a permanent thing. Yeah, we know he's got the experience. Yeah, and he's a and he's a franchise icon. True, for sure. Mm-hmm. And with that, we're going to move on to our last segment of the show. And this is our draft preview. And luckily, in this uh, very confusing world of the NHL draft, where the majority of people don't know jack squat outside of NHL eScore, <laughs> Wally has taken plenty of time to go through lots of different scouting reports, plenty of different uh, views of uh, how scouts and public uh, scouting companies view these prospects. And he has gifted us with a wonderful spreadsheet, which has a bunch of different players that he thinks the Blackhawks could target based on the trends that we have seen over the last couple of years involving the players that we have selected recently. And with that, we have also created a full seven-round mock draft because of that for the Blackhawks exclusively. So, Ollie, please take it away explaining everything that you have found. So, under Kyle Davidson, um, the Blackhawks have drafted more for size. Um, They've drafted more for skating and motor, which we already know. And a lot of their players, maybe this doesn't come as a surprise, but most of them are from North America as well. Um, So I think those are some interesting things to point out before actual draft happens and maybe potentially what they could target. Um, and I mean, obviously we know that Connor Bedard's going to go first overall, despite what some people think without a doubt he's going first overall without a doubt. 
People are too nervous, man. I'm thinking of a certain someone. <laughs> yes, I am thinking of that certain someone, too. I mean, even as, like, arguably the biggest Adam Fantilli fan you will find around, you cannot deny that Conor McGregor will first overall. So, the guy that I have at number 19 right now is Callum Ritchie. Um, he's, he's skilled, he has good hockey sense, good hands, he can pass, he's physical, he has good size, which we need among our forward prospects. He also has a pretty decent shot, too. His skating isn't great, but it's not terrible either. Um, and like all prospects, he just needs to get more consistent. I think at number 19, I think it makes a lot of sense because they need forward prospects, and they need forward prospects who bring a little bit of skill and size. All right. Um, and I think with that, let's, um, let's pause for a second just so that we can um, list out all the different uh, selections that the Blackhawks have. So the different selections the Blackhawks have, right now they are listed as having 11 draft picks, which is, I believe, the same that we ended up with last season as well. Currently, the Blackhawks are scheduled to have two first-round picks, that is first overall, obviously, as well as 19th, that is the pick that we have from Tampa. Thank you, Brandon Hagel. Um, then we have four second round picks. Um, the first one is our own at 35. Then we have Ottawa's at 44, Nikita Zaitsev. I believe after that then is the Tampa pick at, um, 51. at 51. That is from the Tyler Johnson trade. And pick 55, which is from the Rangers for Patrick Kane. I want to pause there just to say right now that we have four second round picks and two of them were exclusively from cap dumps. Thank you, other teams. Thank you, Ottawa. Thank you, Tampa. Then we move into the third round where we have pick 67, which I'm pretty sure is our own, as well as 93. The pick was from Arizona, but it's Dallas's third round pick. They traded into the third round, and we traded out of the third round and acquired a third this year for a third rounder last year. Moving into the fourth round, 99th overall, which is our own pick. Moving into the fifth round is pick number 131, which is also our own pick. The sixth round, we don't have any picks at all. Um, and then in the seventh round, we have pick 195, which is our own. So we only have three picks in the last four rounds, all of which are our own. But we have a lot of quantity in the first three rounds which is two in the first, four in the second, and three, and two in the third. So we have eight picks in the first three rounds, three in the last four for a total of 11. And that's obviously good because you want that quantity early because you don't, especially when you're in uh, a rebuild like us, you don't necessarily need 27ths. Yeah. It's much better to have a good quantity of picks in the first three rounds because that's where most of the uh, NHLers come from. Despite the amount of picks we have, we don't even have the most in the draft. I think Nashville has the most, which is... Well, Nashville, um, has 12. we don't think Julian Breezeblatt for that. Yeah. <laughs> Tanner's a no. <laughs> which worked out perfectly for one team and not the other. Now that we've gone through all the picks, I want to first, before we move on to more of the selections, I want to ask, I've seen a lot of rumors and I've seen a lot of people, maybe it's speculation, maybe it's hope, or maybe it's actual genuine belief that, or actual genuine like rumors that this will happen, that 
people think the Hawks are going to package multiple picks or utilize cap space in order to move up in the first round. How likely do we actually believe that that is? I thought it was pretty likely before the Canucks bought out OEL, but now I think it's very unlikely. Now they're under the cap. They were over the cap before. Um, There's think... still high up to that cap range. No, but they, they have six million cap space now, so they don't need it. Or they probably do need more cap space. I just, I just didn't look at their contracts that were expiring, but. We're over it quite a bit before the buyout. Now I think it's unlikely. They don't have any major free agents. Yeah. The only major free agent, the only really major free agents they have, I guess you could say, and these are pretty minor for like quote unquote major free agents, is Vitaly Kravtsov, who's an RFA, and Ethan Bear and uh, Travis Dermott, who are RFAs as well. Isn't Nils Hoglander? Yes, Nils Hoglander is also an RFA. That's nothing. But of course, they're not a good hockey team either, so they would want to spend like some cash to make themselves slightly better. So I don't necessarily think they're going to completely rule out shedding salary. Maybe, but like they were pretty desperate before because they were over it. Like there were rumors that they're going to get rid of uh, Brock Besser and uh, his first name Connor Garland. Yeah. So now they're less desperate to do that. Mm-hmm. Um. But what about what about non Canucks solutions for the Hawks in terms of living it? I guess the most likely, in my opinion, I was going to say Nashville, but they probably won't trade that pick because they're hosting the draft. Pittsburgh, maybe, yeah. Give us Gramland and 14 for 19. I would take that. <laughs> Interesting. How much is Gramland's contract? Is it under... Is it at... Five million for oh, one okay. more year. No, two more That's years. That's fine. Two more years, five fine. million. I could I'll see Arizona that. potentially moving the 12th pick and trying to move down and get more assets. They gotta capitalize eventually. Yeah, they already have the sixth overall pick, and then they have a pick six picks later at twelfth overall. I could see Arizona try and package like something, move that pick, and go down to get more assets for their future. Maybe Arizona could be an option. The Hawks try and do something with. I'm gonna disagree with that actually because we saw last year they traded like three seconds to move up to pick twelve to draft uh, Connor Geeky. I don't think that they're looking at uh, their uh, ridiculous number of seconds and saying, we need more seconds. I think that they're like, we have these seconds to get firsts. So I would, I, I would not look at Arizona as a trade down candidate. I think the most likely trade down for the, the most likely trade up for the Blackhawks, actually, I think that they, you could see them move like 35 and 51 to get into like the late twenties. I'll disagree with it based on this. Uh, what along with what Tyler just said, um, they need to like give get an infusion of young talent into that organization because they might be moving, and they need to like they need more reasons why they should stay in Arizona, not leave Arizona. They need their ninety five Seattle Mariners moment. What'd you say? <laughs> they need their what? They they need they need their nineteen ninety five Seattle Mariners moment <laughs> where basically. They win, they win a playoff series, and then the entire city council's heart grows three sizes. I don't know. 
No, I think that's a fair point. Like they need more young players to give the team or the the city of Arizona more reasons to let them stay and make them more exciting. The city of Arizona or the state of Arizona. You know what I meant? <laughs> Stupid. <laughs> you know what I meant? State of Arizona. Yes, of course I knew. What, I, I knew. What, of course I knew what you meant. Um. So we said Pittsburgh, maybe. Calgary, maybe. Mm-hmm. Calgary is a possibility. Um, Calgary's Calgary's kind of uh, they're pretty. Uh, they're in Tweenersville right now. Yeah, they're they're really a difficult one in terms of like where they're going with their franchise right now. But they kind of need some help if they're going to figure anything out. Um, but after that, um, any other. Any other teams I think that we could look at? Maybe we could talk about trading down. I think that's pretty likely too. Um, I wouldn't. I I don't. I wouldn't trade down. There's no reason to get. In my opinion, there's no reason to trade down. I mean, I wouldn't do it. I think Tyler mentioned this in his thread a few months ago or a month ago or whatever it was that the Blackhawks have to be careful because you don't want to go over the reserve list. Yeah. And with all the picks that they More have. long than the reserve limit, you also want to make sure that you don't um that you don't have a bunch of players all coming into the organization at once. Yeah. When at that point in time you don't have enough places to accommodate them. Yeah, I would agree with that. I don't know. That's the it's, Yeah, I think that I think that with that, we have six picks in the first two rounds. I wouldn't see us moving back. Because it's like, what are we gonna do? It's like it's like, oh great, another second round pick. At some point, there's diminishing to returns there. I wouldn't do it, obviously, but it's a possibility, obviously. Um, mm-hmm. this is kind of an off ball question, or it pertains to nineteen. But do you see us trading that nineteen pick for a an established player? No, I couldn't. Are you talking about something similar to like a Kevin Fiala to LA trade? I don't know the exact details of that trade. It was basically Kevin Fiala for pick 18. Yeah, yeah, then yeah. Something like that. I don't think so. I don't think so. I think that's counterproductive to what we're trying to do right now. I would agree. The Hawks are not in a position to do that yet. Mm -hmm. Just in this presser that... uh... Maybe it was an impressor, but in an interview, Kyle Davidson that said that all the options are open with 19. Yeah, but like... I know he has to say that, but... That's GM talk. I don't know, it's just something interesting. Yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't hold my breath thinking that we're going to trade that pick for an established player. Oh, no, no, I'm not. I'm not, uh, I'm not holding my breath. Yeah, but with that, um, a lot of different opportunities, a lot of different possibilities... But with the mock draft itself, and our Blackhawks several mock draft, um, with pick 19, Wally, you said that we would select uh, Callum Ritchie. Yeah, I, I think he kind of fits what they need. I mean, the Blackhawks need more size amongst their forward prospects, and he brings that. Um, he's skilled, uh, good hockey sense, good hands. He's kind of a dual threat, I would say, um, and he's physical. I think it kind of makes sense for them to go um, that that path, because, like I said, they need more size with their forward prospects. 
yeah, so Callum Murchie this year uh, playing for the Oshawa Generals in the Ontario Hockey League, put up 59 points in 59 games, which is good. And then along with that, he played in the under-18s for Team Canada, where he put up uh, nine points in seven games, three of them goals, six assists. More of a passer than a shooter, but still had a pretty lethal shot, it seemed, in the OHL this season. Uh, mostly he's ranked anywhere between like 13 and 25, it appears. So I think that his availability at 19 is pretty fair. And then I just wanted to list a few more names that could potentially go at 19. Um, Braden Yeager, Daniil Boo, uh, Quinn and Musty, and Colby Barlow. Gavin or just Brindley. some other names. Yeah, Gavin. Uh, yeah, what happened to Gavin? Let's Brindley? Still, yes, let's 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 just pray for Gavin Brindley. <laughs> uh, I don't I, I don't see it happening. At least not at 19, just because he's small and they don't. I'm not against taking smaller players. I'm just saying, with the amount of small board prospects we have in our system, I don't know if it makes sense. Do you okay. think he makes it to 35? Probably not. Yeah, and I think I remember watching um, Callum Ritchie a bit when he was um, watched this game of uh, of Gavin Hayes, and I believe they were playing against Oshawa, and Callum Ritchie just tore it up like everything he was doing he was just destroying everyone so i i think that there's a really intriguing guy there as well um moving into the second round so we've got our first two picks we have bedard and then in this one we've got richie pick 35 wally what do you have as the projection for the blackhawks at pick 35 well i have the hawks going with swedish centerman david edstrom um, he ha- he's, he has a good motor, he's physical, good size, um, he's good defensively and has good hockey sense. He's not the most skilled, but again, the Blackhawks need size in their prospect system, especially amongst forwards. Um, and I believe he had a pretty good, um, under-18s and played pretty good in the SHL from what I recall. Yeah, a pretty decent season for him with uh, Ferlunda. Put up uh, 28 points in 28 games in the uh, J20 League. Uh, then he got a call up to the SHO where he put up four points in 11 games. That's pretty decent for somebody who is uh, not even who was not even a, who was a, a draftier player at that point. Um, he just turned 18 in February, and then in the under 18s, he put up eight points in seven games. Again, very impressive as well. So. If that's a guy that would be available around pick 35, I think that that's pretty, uh, pretty reasonable as well. Currently in these rankings, he's ranked anywhere between um, earliest I see is 23 and the latest I see is uh, 63. So I'm seeing pretty much an average around that 40 range. So I think that he could most likely be available at uh, pick 35. Um, moving on to pick uh, 44. Um, I have the Hawks going with forward Nick Lardis. Um, he's, he played uh, in the OHL this year and also played at the under-18s. Um, he has a good shot. He's a good skater, good hands, has good hockey sense. He's a little bit on the smaller side, but, I mean, with the Hawks taking two bigger forwards with their last two picks, um, I don't think that's a problem. Um, and le- they really want skating, so I think it kind of makes sense to target him. Yeah, Lardis is a weird one, though. Started the year with the Peterborough Peets, only had 19 points in 36 games. And then when he was traded to Hamilton, he then afterwards put up 46 and 33. So in the same amount of games, he nearly tripled his uh, point production. Um, 
25 goals in those 33 games for Hamilton. And then in the under 18s, he put up four goals, but only, but, but zero assists for four points in seven games. So it appears like this is more of a goal scorer type. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, but interesting, you've taken all forwards so far. Um, do you think that yeah. we could see defensemen or a goalie go anywhere in this uh, first three rounds, specifically the first two rounds? I think it's possible. Um, if they do go with a defenseman, it's almost definitely going to be a right-handed defenseman because their, pro- their prospect pool is mostly quality left-handed defensemen. Um, so if they were to target a defenseman, I think a right-handed defenseman makes sense. And I do have a goalie going at 55 for the Hawks as well. For 55. Well, 55, yeah. we'll move on to 51 next, yeah. though. So what do we have at 51? Um, I have them going with another forward in Matthew Cataford. Um, he played in the QMJHL. Um, he has a good motor, physical, good hockey sense, um, and he's good defensively. I've heard that he's kind of been compared to He's been somewhat compared to Jordan Dumai a little bit, um, a little bit of a similar similar type of player. I don't know if he'll ever put up the same amount of points in the QMJHL, but from what I've read, it wouldn't be surprising if he did. Um, so I think he could be an interesting add at 51. Interesting. Matthew Catterford, 75 points in 68 games for the Halifax Mooseheads this year. Um, Halifax is always very... Uh, very often been a very quality team in the QMJHL. It's very rare that you see them be a bad team. But with uh, Catterford, I see here mostly his rankings. Uh, interesting, he's, got, he's ranked at uh, 45 by Bob McKenzie, which is usually the most accurate when it comes to predicting where players will go. And it seems like at times he's rated as low by some people as like in the 80s, but mostly he's ranked around the uh, 50s and 60s. So we'll see if he's there because if teams rate him higher than public scouts, he might not be there at 55, at 51, but interesting nonetheless. And then you have a goalie going at 55. So what have we got there? Yeah, I have the Blackhawks taking Adam Guy on. I really debated going with Jacob Fowler or Trey Augustine, but I think... With the size and how Guyon played at the under-20s for Slovakia, I wouldn't be surprised if they took him. Um, I know Mike Donaghy also mentioned him by name on the CHGO podcast as well. Yeah, um, with, uh, with Guyon, um, Bob McKenzie's got him ranked at 56, and that is the 55th pick that we're talking about right here. So obviously, it's a ranking that would be pretty similar to he played mostly in the NAHL this year um, and wasn't ridiculously productive in that league. However, he also played in the USHL for six games. Again, not the craziest production, but he played out of his mind in the World Juniors in those four games for Team Slovakia. And he's still only in his draft year right now. Next year, he will be at the University of Minnesota Duluth. And, you know, the Blackhawks have had many players at Minnesota Duluth over the last couple of years, and they have Dominic James there next season as well. So we'll see what happens with them because uh, UMD is usually a pretty good program. With that, that is the end of the second round, and the Hawks are now listed as having five more picks. We're going to go through these a bit quicker. Moving into the third round, pick 67. Wally, what have we got? I have them going with centerman Kerry Terrence. Um, he played in the OHL. He put up 30 goals, I believe, with Erie. He also played at the under-18s for the U.S., um, good skater, good motor, has a good shot. Um, 
All right. 93. Uh, seems, uh, good skater, good motor, good shot. Um, good skater, not as much so, but it does seem similar to Gavin Hayes, and it's a similar range to Gavin Hayes. He played for the uh, he played a bit for the NTDP as well, which is interesting. But he's sticking in uh, moving forward and uh, six points in seven games in the under 18s. Not bad at all. Moving on to pick ninety three. What have we got here? Uh, I have them taking centerman Martin Misiak. Um, he played in Slovakia. He played in the USHL and he also played at the under twenties. Good skater, good motor, physical, um, and he has good size again. Mm-hmm. So we've now come eight picks in, and you have seven forwards and one goalie. Yep. <laughs> I'll trust me. There are more defensemen that I'm adding. This like with the next pick. Okay. Well, let's go to that next pick, fourth round. I have them taking right-handed defenseman Cameron Allen. Um, he had a down year, um, but I still think the tools are intriguing. Um, he's a good skater. Uh, again, it's the trend. He has a good motor as well. Um, there are some weaknesses, but with all fourth-round picks, there are. Um, so I, I think he'd be an interesting ad. He played in the OHL, and he also played at the under-18s this past year. Cameron Allen in the fourth round, that's an interesting one because at the beginning of the year, he was a projected top-10 pick. Now, I know he didn't have the best of seasons, but I don't know if he's fallen on boards enough to be a fourth-rounder. I mean, oh, he might have. Based on what I've seen, he's mostly been like end of third round, early fourth, from what I've seen. Mm-hmm. Now, what's interesting there is he is ranked 39th by Bob McKenzie. That was his midseason. Which, of course, that is midseason, yeah. so maybe it's changed. Yeah. Maybe it may, I don't, it has, I don't think Bob McKenzie's final rankings are out I yet. Think they come out in like from today, which is June 17th, I think five more days, I believe. Five more days? Okay, well, we'll see where he's ranked at that point, because a lot of other rankings have him much lower. But it would be interesting if Cam Allen is available in the fourth round, considering that he was a top-ten pick coming into the season. Yeah, I, I think you should swing for the tools there, is my opinion. Oh, most likely. Most likely. Especially in the if you're looking at the fourth round, then I think that you're okay gambling on Cam Allen there. It seems like most of his, uh, I'm just looking at the inconsistencies, it seems like most of them are coachable, like a hockey sense, passing. I mean, he's not the most skilled, but I think if you target his passing, and defensemen usually take more time, and for a fourth-round yeah. pick, I mean, it's, it's worth the gamble on, on his tools, mm-hmm. in my opinion. Yeah, 100%. just knowing how NHL teams work, I wouldn't be surprised if he still goes like in round two. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised either. Mm-hmm. So, with that, um, we'll move on to pick uh, the pick in the fifth round, then the seventh round, and then want to go through and look at some other guys who you think could be really good guys to target at those ranges that we've just mentioned. So first, the fifth pick, the fifth round pick at 131. Yeah, um, I have, so some this might seem as a surprise, but I have them going with uh, Russian forward Kimer Mukhanov. Um, he's small, he's 5'8 and 170, but he's very fast. Uh, he has some skill, he has a good motor, um, good passer and good hands. Um, I think it's oh, I think it's worth the gamble with a fifth round pick. 
especially with the upside that he has. Yeah, I've definitely heard more about him than the kind of guy that you would uh, think of as a projected fifth rounder. So, um, so seeing him uh, possibly being available in the fifth would be pretty crazy. But he's not even ranked by he's not ranked on Bob McKenzie's most recent list. Some people have him ranked a lot higher. Yeah, uh, you see. Uh, uh, smart, uh, smart scouting has him at 25. Uh, Dauber has him at 46. But then plenty of others have him much lower. Uh, Hockey News at 115. So I think that, you know, there's a wide range there. Um, played pretty well in the MHL. Not as well in the VHL this year, though. Um, interesting how he does maybe next year uh, with Severstall in the KHL. If he even gets time in the KHL next season. Um, and then lastly, the seventh round pick. Obviously, seventh-round picks are shots in the dark most of the time. But regardless, Wally, what do you have for the seventh-round pick for the mock draft for the Chicago Blackhawks? I've been going with another Russian, but this time a defenseman, um, Magomed Cherkanov. Um, he's a good skater. He has good size, and he's physical. Um, obviously, there are, there are definite weaknesses in his game. Um, he's not the most skilled. His hockey sense isn't great. Not a great passer, but with a seventh-round pick, I mean, again, I feel like you have to swing um, at the tools that they have. Um, and his NHL is actually pretty good for those who care about that. So, Yeah. Um, now, with that, Obviously, we have plenty of uh, second-round picks, so I want to target more looking at the second-rounders as we finish out this, um, this, mo- this mock draft. Obviously, you gave us three forwards and one goalie in the second round, and in the end, you gave us two defensemen, one goalie, and I believe eight forwards with those 11 picks. Yeah. Um, I want to ask you, who are defensemen in the second round that you think we could target? Because obviously we have plenty of left-shot defensemen right now in our entire pipeline. You have Korchinski, uh, you have um, Vla- Vlasic, Phillips, Del Mastro, Kaiser, plenty of left-shot guys. I even didn't even say Nolan Allen in that group as well. So you've got at least six left-shot guys who you look at and you're like really confident in could that at least some of them could be NHLers going forward. However, you look at the right side, and it's pretty much just Sam Renzel, who is multiple years away, Al Gregula, who hasn't really done much in the NHL and had a disappointing AHL season, Ian Mitchell, who might not even get a qualifying offer, and then beyond that, it's like Louis Crevier, who is probably tops out as a seventh defenseman. I think we need to look at right shot defenseman. Michael Crudel. Michael Crudel. <laughs> don't don't even with Michael Crudel. <laughs> don't even with Michael Crudel, God. <laughs> um, but with that, who are some defensemen that you think could be options in those like 19, then 35, and then we have, I believe, 44, 51, 55 range? Those five picks right there, because obviously Bedard's Bedard. We're not taking the defenseman there. There's no defenseman ranked in the top five. But those five picks right there in the late first and then the second round picks, we could see some defensemen there. So who are guys that you think could go in that? Yeah, I think if we're specifically looking at right-handed defensemen or with pick 19, I think maybe Tim uh, Willander might be available. Um, good skater, good motor. He's physical, plays good defense, um, and he's, he's a good passer too. So I think he's definitely an option. Um, he played in the SHL. 
uh, under-20 league for Sweden, and he also played at the under-18s. I believe he's committed to Boston University as well. Okay. Um, Interesting. And we have Boston University players uh, in our recent pipeline and one currently there in Ryan Green. And then if, you're, if we're looking at the second round, like pick 35, um, I'll say Bo, is it Aki or Aki? Um, good skater, good hockey sense. He's physical. And he, he's a very good rush defenseman from what I've seen. Um, so I think he could definitely be an option yeah. as well um, at pick 35. All right. Um, and anything, any thoughts, any, anything that makes you think we might take Axel Sandin Pelica? I don't think so. Just because I, I believe he's a shorter defense and he's not the best skater. I think he goes before 19 anyways. And I don't know how realistic of a pick he is considering the Blackhawks the Black and smaller defensemen. It hasn't really necessarily worked out. Um, so I don't know how, um, how realistic that is that they take uh, Axel Sandin Pelica. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, it'll be interesting to look at. Obviously... Draft night is coming up. It is Wednesday and Thursday, and those days are the 28th and the 29th. Make sure that you are watching. If you're able to make it to Nashville, that's also fun as well. Um, John, I believe you are going to Nashville. Yes, and then I have, if you want to go to the draft party in Chicago, it's at the Salt Company or something like that? The Shed. The Salt Shed. Um, here are the special guests that are going to be there. Uh, Brian Bickle, Darren Pang, Dennis Savard, Steve Larmer, Pat Foley, Ben Eager, Adam Burrish, Kaylee Chelios, and Chris Fosters. Awesome. So plenty of people who are working for the team now, plenty of people who've played for the team in the not-so-distant uh, not so, uh, past, um, and plenty of people who, you know, uh, are people that, Hawks fans will know and would be it would be cool to see, especially on a day when Connor Bedard officially becomes a Chicago Blackhawks. So with that, we've done our mock draft. We've talked about plenty other things today. Um, I think that's everything. I think so as well. I think that is everything. So with that, we are going to say Thank you so much for listening to the Hockey Puckcast. Please be sure to follow our Twitter account. That is at Hockey Puckcast, H-A-W-K-E-Y-P-U-C-K-C-A-S-T. Be sure to follow all of us on Twitter as well. If you can find this podcast anywhere that you find podcasts, Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and sometimes it will be available on the Windy City Hockey YouTube channel as a video. This one is not, and when... uh. For the time being, there will not be video podcasts for the next couple of them, but hopefully soon there will be once I get a PC. Um, <laughs> but thank you so much for joining us as always. Wally. Let's go Hawks. Absolutely. It's draft time soon. Let's go Hawks. Nick. But Dart errors is about to get begin. It's about to start, absolutely. And John. I can't wait to see Begoat in real life. Begoat, absolutely. And I almost forgot, I was the only one that got the Memorial Cup predictions right. Quebec over Seattle, yes.
I can't believe you're taking victory laps over our prospects failing. Whatever. My name is Tyler. This is Heaven Hockey Podcast, and we will see y'all next time. Take care. Music for this podcast was Cool Rock by Kevin McLeod, licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 4.0 license. Find out more at creativecommons.org forward slash licenses forward slash by B-Y forward slash 4.0.